hey, this is Scott Carpenter with PT Legends. And if you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to Stories That Sell with my good friend, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. In this episode, I sit down with my friend, Scott Carpenter. We talk about his business, PT Legends, what it was like going from a family that believed that you need to go to school, find a job, put money into retirement and live that typical prescribed life when it just wasn't a good fit for Scott from the very beginning. We talk about failing often and uh, what it takes to win. Hey, Scott, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You and I were just chatting about some awesome things going on in your life and uh, some I want to dive right into this because I think it's really cool. But you were talking about your your passive was it passive income you were referring to? Yeah, yes, it's it's passive income and not just in retirement, but but now too, it 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 doubles. It's it's funny because like a, a lot of the traditional retirement stuff, you know, is accumulation based. You know, it's sock away this, let it stack, accumulate, never touch it. Oh, don't have any Starbucks coffees. Don't enjoy yourself because you need to save for later. And if you have that Starbucks now, here's what it's going to cost you in 30 years and all that. So it's all about like sacrificing everything. Right. In hopes that when you retire, you'll have enough money so you don't run out before you die. Such and, a miserable way to live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's why not many people do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, it's there's a lot of fallacies, but there's no guarantees you're going to live that long. Right things can go terribly awry. That is actually is not the safest way. People t say that's the safest way to retire, but it's really not. It's very risky because if you think about the life that you want to have and the life you want to live, whoever you are listening in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and you want to just defer everything to later and hope you live that long, right? And sacrifice everything now and don't live your best life. I mean, I know, I, I know what your life is going to look like. You're not 
you're going to have regrets. You're going to wish you did other things. Dude, that's very a risky gamble. to do that. It's the biggest gamble. It's way more risky than doing things now that you want to do and building, building your life by design and designing it so you can travel around the world and do the things I want to. So I want to get back to that because I think this is a really good conversation. But let's rewind back to Scott as a kid. Like, tell us where you where you were raised. Tell me about your family. We want to kind of see what's formed you into the man that you are today. Oh, wow. About 10,000 mistakes <laughs> per year, probably. Right. Um, grew up in the, uh, for the most part, in the, the suburbs of Chicago, uh, Naperville, Aurora, and very traditional. Like, my parents were both farmers from Illinois in small towns. Hmm. Did not have a lot of disposable income, right? Like, my dad's family, they, they only went to the dentist when there was a problem, right? My mom had made her dresses for school, right? Made them. Uh, so that was like my parents' upbringing. So I was brought up in a very frugal household, which, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And just, you don't, we never had the latest stuff and this and that. And that was great in so many ways. And then later on as a business owner, I can tell it held me back in so many ways. In personal development, it held me back in so many ways as well. So it's funny how things can be a double-edged sword. But I was raised... Like a, like a lot of people were is like, okay, so you get good grades to get into a good school, good college, and get a good stable job with a company. And you save. Like the word invest wasn't even like brought into it. It was just you save. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of like my upbringing. Pretty typical Midwestern kind of thing. I didn't always fit that mold, though. That wasn't me. And it's funny that when I look back and a lot of the, the advice that I had received just wasn't for me, you know? Um, did you realize that? I mean, did you realize as like a teenager or? Yeah, like I just, I don't know. Uh, I think so. Oh, definitely by then. Really? I mean, it's funny because like school really discouraged the things I liked. I liked art, mm -hmm. right? I liked, and I was good at it. But it's just, I was kind of afraid of not, Here's the thing. I was a little bit of a class clown too. I picked things up pretty quickly. You know, I, I learned very quickly. Um, I did not find school difficult, but you know, then I, you know, so I got bored a little bit. Right. And so I, I was the guy who'd make jokes and get into a little bit of trouble and this and that. And uh, yeah, with, with classes that I like to do like art and this and that I was discouraged once, once grades became really important, like middle school, high school, because it's counting on your permanent record. You know, it, it terrified me, you know, cause I wanted to get into a good school cause I didn't want my life to be flushed away. This is what I thought, right. You wouldn't be right. able to get a good job. So I didn't take art. Why? Cause I couldn't get an A. I was good at it. You know, I couldn't guarantee that I would get an A in there. And then I might not be able to get to the college of my choice. And then blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of like terrified about it. And that really kind of irked me, you know, yeah. especially looking back on it. And then it's just formal education is so rigid. You know, I could build websites by the time I was in like, probably, I think it was like late middle school. Wow. And this is like the early days this is dial up guys. So this is like, you know, uh, not as easy as it is now. You did, there was no Weebly. Right. Or Wix. Right. So when I could do that and I wanted to take some computer class in high school and the prerequisite was something else. Well, I had shown that I can easily do that. And so I was sitting down with this teacher and he wouldn't let me in that class because I had to take that one first. It's like, I did that in like fifth grade. 
And it's funny. I just literally all throughout high school, all throughout college, I just took the, not what interested me, what I, not what I had passion, but what I thought was going to get me on the path to success. And the funny thing is, is that four years, I only lasted four years into that traditional corporate career before I said, I'm done. I can't live life like this. What was that feeling like? Like, I mean, obviously what was the, I'm done. I can't live like this. What was the part of it that was just so grinding against your soul? You know, I could, I literally had a hard time getting up and out of bed into work in my professional job. Hmm. And I, I realized that years later, like I was actually really depressed at that time. Like when I graduated college and for the first four years before I decided to just quit that life. And I call it my quarter life crisis. Nice. So I was probably like 25, six at the time, something like that. Um, but yeah, like when looking back on it, I was like actually severely depressed. I was living by myself, not far from my hometown. So I had no sense of adventure or like getting out. Um, I was in a job that I hated in a big corporation where free thinking was very much discouraged common sense you know even when they're teaching you a new thing and you're like what if we did it this way or like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense what about that that was very frowned upon right and i just hated going to work and the funny thing was it's very autonomous i only had to do meetings and work with people maybe two to four days of uh out of a month wow but i nearly got fired from there believe it or not the job was not challenging. It was all on my own. I could barely wake up at that point. I was just very depressed. I think I understand. I mean, when I was an educator, there was a lot of uh, autonomy and freedom of like how you're going to build the curriculum when I first started. And then later years, it was all like everything was prescribed and very rigid, the rigid education that you're talking about. And it it just like crushed my soul. Literally, it was this there was the motivation was other than the interactions with the youth and having, you know, that impact on, on some level was really cool. It was just really hard to be motivated to do something that uh, there was no autonomy. So I, I, I feel you there. Yeah. When you don't have a voice, you know, and you're not treated as a person, I, how long can you do that? Not long. Well, there's people who do it their whole lives. That's true. That's true. And it's because, you know, a lot of it that has been preached that doing anything else is very risky. Mm-hmm. You're going to put your whole future in jeopardy. So you were, you were kind of just born with that risk muscle. If you, I think so. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It has definitely burned me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's part of it. Like you have to lose and losing is okay. I think in school, we've been conditioned not to lose, not to be wrong. Like m- being wrong is bad, you know, and making mistakes Making mistakes is bad. It's, it's part of the learning process, though. Yeah, I, I like to take the approach that nothing I have now would be the way it is unless I had made all those mistakes and gone through all the steps. Yeah. That so there's so much building. Um, when things break down, you rebuild them and you build them better. And that's how I take it. I, I'm very thankful for all of the troubles and the pathways I went down that, you know, that looking back, we're like, those weren't right for me or they were, and they failed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you're- every, every obstacle has turned out to make me become the person that I become. So some people look back on their lives and they're resentful over being forced to do this or 
steered into that. At the end of the day, like that's what made you what you are now. That's what you wouldn't have known any better had you not had those experiences. So you have to be really appreciative over all the obstacles that you've had to overcome. We kind of, I agree. We kind of skipped by your college years, what you studied in college, what you went and worked in the corporate world with. Um, my degree is in economics, mm-hmm. which doesn't really apply to any job, right? It's just general stuff. I got phenomenal grades in high school. I pretty much spent my college years partying. Yeah. That was about it, which was fun in ways. I really regret not getting more out of it though. Mm-hmm. And developing more as a, a, a person in um, if I could go back over and do it again, I'd obviously do it again differently. Would you go but to college again? I don't know. Probably not. I think it's great thing for a lot of people, but for somebody like me, was that the best step? I don't know. You know, I learned by doing, and I'm, I'm a self-taught person too. So I'll go out and get that book, listen to that podcast, hire that coach, put it into play now for me to just learn for four years and not apply it to anything. I think it's, I think for anybody that's actually ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. You will learn so much better, so much faster by applying. And yeah, I do have an entrepreneurial mindset. So you have to do that. You can't learn entrepreneurship. No. Right. You have to do entrepreneurship. Yeah. It's such a interesting um, entrepreneurship. The word, the, the verb part of it is lost on a lot of people. I, I know a lot of people that call them entrepreneurs themselves entrepreneurs. Well, they took over their parents' business and run it the same way today as yeah. they did before. That's that's a business owner. It's a very different thing than entrepreneur. Or I know someone who has stepped into a system. Maybe it's an MLM. Maybe it's a, a franchise. Um, entrepreneurs do that, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily entrepreneurship. So yeah. what do you see, like when you say I'm, I've been an entrepreneur, what does that mean to you? Man, that's, that's a hard one, I guess. It's, uh, to be an entrepreneur is, I think it's somebody who you're going to take responsibility for designing the life that you want. And you are going to build some type of system to make that happen. I think you're right. I think there's a distinction between, you know, taking over something or receiving something and then building it, Right. Um, and yeah, you're going to use building blocks from other people, but I think an entrepreneur is somebody who is, is, you know, one of their primary things is creation. You have to create the thing and you have to execute it. And then you continue to evolve it over time. Yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about the, some of your creations, uh, later in this. So you're in a corporate job, banging your head against the wall what was the big moment or the big thing? I mean, it's probably gradual, but what happened that made you say enough of this, I'm doing another thing. And what was that? You know, there was a a moment I went out to visit uh, with a friend, Arizona. So I'm Midwest all my life, right? Frigid winters and this and that, and not much going on. I went out to Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona for a trip, I think. And it was in the summer too. So it was pretty hot. I think it was August probably. And then I loved it. I loved it. And there's palm trees and there's resort pools everywhere. The, the women are beautiful, like drop dead gorgeous. And then I went, I'm like, cool. Okay. So that's, that's how it is there. Let me see how it is in the summer. I'm sorry, in the winter. So I went in January, I think for the Barrett Jackson uh, auto show and stuff like that. And 
I loved it. And then that was it. That was it. And, and again, I, I'm living not too far from where I grew up, which I hated. I didn't really want to move into the city, Chicago. It's a great city, but like, man, I'm done with the winters. I hate, I hate not seeing the sun for like three months at a time. Yeah. Like it, it really affects me. And then I'm just like, why would I, and there's, if you love living there, that's great. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's so cold and it's so dark. And it's like, you kind of, everybody hibernates for like five months out of the year. It's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And so when I was out there, I'm like, this, this is it. Like, this is January and people are outside all day long, you know, at, at these big things. And I'm like, I'm moving there. That's it. So I put uh, a few things in place and I was out there. I moved within a few months. Wow. I was out there. I, I quit. I resigned there. Uh, my boss was like, Hey, you know, uh, we can, you know, before you quit, why don't we see if we can get you relocated out there? And I'm sure it wasn't because he really liked me. I'm sure it was just because, you know, they have their attrition numbers to hit. Right. right. I mean, that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, and I said, thanks, but no, thanks. Cause like, I realized I hate my life. I just came to that realization that I hate what I'm doing. I hate where I'm living. I'm moving. And it was scary because I then had to buy at a company car. So I had to buy a car. I didn't have much savings at all. Um, I had a car that was bought for like 3950, I think it was. So less than four grand. Um, I shipped a few boxes and the rest I stuffed in that car with my my two dogs and I drove on out without a job. Yeah, that's a lot of people who haven't lived the entrepreneurial lifestyle or haven't taken some big steps out of the norm that would scare the crap out of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was because like I, I attended a career transition workshop kind of thing with the, like this charity and, and stuff like that. And, and I got my resume ready and this and that. And I, I did a couple phone interviews and I, I was just going to figure it out. Just going to figure it out. And then what I realized is like, okay, well, if I'm going to live where I want to live, and I don't want to do this crap that I don't want to do. Like, what do I enjoy? And I had gotten my one saving grace was I gotten really into fitness yeah. over the last couple of years. And that's what's probably saved me from complete and utter depression, right? Is I had something to hold on to. I had something to look forward to. And I had changed my health and my body in a, you know, in, in the last couple of years tremendously, like big time. So I'm like, you know what? I'm passionate about this. I love it. Let me get into something I, I want to do. I don't know if I want to do it forever, but let me just start doing something I want to do. And so I got certified as a personal trainer and I started with a big box gym out here hmm. to start paying the bills. Yeah, probably not the best money, but uh... not the best money, not the best choice. You know, people wondering what the hell, because that's what I, I had to combat. Like everybody, like, what are you doing? You yeah. have a four year degree in business from a good school. You are working with like a fortune, I don't know. 20, 25, 50 company. I don't know what the hell it was. You know, what are you even doing? But at the end of the day, it's like, I see the route. If I continue on this, I'm going to be 45 and saying, I wish I would have done all this stuff. Yeah. I'm just living a life of quiet desperation. And I realized that is the riskiest thing I could do. Yeah. I love that. I love it. So I you work in this big box and let's fast forward to now. What are you, what's your business? It's a big jump. <laughs> um, so yeah, went from, from learning the things in the big box gym to starting at my studios. And now um, 
now we've got six personal training studios in Arizona and Canada and doing that. And those are doing very, very well. And I have, whether I own them myself or I have partners, um, that has gone very well. I've made a lot of mistakes over the last nine years of that. Um, a lot of mistakes as an entrepreneur. And now, you know, I have an amazing partner, Dave Bess, who helped me create the business model that we have now, which we successfully merged life coaching into the brick and mortar fitness business. Hmm. And because that's what people truly need to change. Everybody's really inspired to be that leader and help people live a healthy lives and live their best lives. But really in reality, we only change five to 10% of people like that. 10% if you're lucky that are like, wow, Scott changed my life. Right. And it wasn't enough. And so we, we brought in like this life coaching, which is a lot of mindset and habits because all the magic happens outside of our four walls when they go home and they choose what to eat all day long and all those other things. So it got people phenomenal results. And while we did the, brought in kind of that life coaching along with the nutrition and the brick and mortar. We also brought, brought like that high ticket online coaching model in where we took our prices and we blew them up to where we're charging three to 10 times what other places are charging. And it's important because people who pay, pay attention. Our clients need to invest in themselves. If something's like 150 bucks a month, meh. All right, I'll try it, you know, even if it's 600 bucks. Okay, I'll give it a shot, right? But if I'm, if I'm going to invest $3,000 into a nine-week program that's going to change my life, I'm paying attention. And it just worked. It worked like magic. And we were successful before that, by all means. And um, even, even in the, the mentoring group that I was in of like several hundred, I don't know how many hundred members. We're actually the top revenue business I found out later at the, before all this. But once we brought this in, everything changed. The impact we had on people exploded. The money that we could pay our staff increased tremendously and profits increased like, like you wouldn't believe. And you know, as an entrepreneur, there's still, you go to bed with that anxiety. Mm -hmm. You go to bed with that fear is what if this all turns south and I've got a family to feed and I've got retirement to like try and hammer out, you know, I've got these expenses coming up, you know, there's these, these obligations, these liabilities. If stuff doesn't work out, like it's a scary thing. It's hard for entrepreneurs to sleep a lot of times. Yeah. And even though we're doing really well financially and I put a lot of things into place, it's still like, okay, yeah, this business is doing well. It's making some good money, but it's still like built out of a deck of cards. Like the house is a deck of cards and it could come tumbling down if a couple of the wrong things, if I lose this person or if this happens. And that's a hard thing to shake off. Well, what this did by basically increasing, drastically increasing our prices and our expenses are about the same all of a sudden it just opened the floodgates and we realized we don't need to have 20 or 30 leads every month or 40 or 50 leads coming in every month because Facebook changes, right? Right. The, what works with marketing could be swept out from under you in three months by them changing one algorithm. And it will. And Always. it will. Yeah. And it's going to happen again. And it's a very nerve wracking thing. 
Well, the cool thing is, is like, we only need two to four people a month and we get more than that. Mm -hmm. But to have a kick ass business with no worries, we only need two to four people a month. It's insane. And now we're working just with people who value our services, our dream clients and all the worry, all the stress, they're getting better results. Our trainers love it because they're making more money working fewer hours. Like everybody wins across the board. But it took us so long to create a system like this. And we had to spend so much money hiring professionals at 10 grand a pop, five grand a pop, 15 grand a pop. And taking aspects of their systems, which all didn't work, we had to kind of take bits of everything, create our own Frankenstein baby. And then it just, boom, it worked. And it changed our lives in a matter of like three months. So you, you uh, rewinding back a little bit, you started in the big gym, you know, the big box gym, then you kind of got into your own with some other people, some studios and continued to build up your studio. And now you have multiple two countries. How long ago was this that you decided that like, let's play with this high ticket. The catalyst on this was COVID. Ah, COVID started this. I have COVID to thank for the massive success. You know, Dave, Dave's studio was the one that never had any problems uh, right up until before COVID. You know, there was one trainer who was great. And then he got back into the drugs from however long ago, however many years ago, got back into it and just became a totally different person. And you can't help somebody like that beyond what you do. You know, he had to go. Then we had lost somebody because she got pregnant and wasn't going to return to work. And then uh, another one, which is his main guy that he wanted to really have a big role, ended up backing out Wow! after all the time developing. So he had this A team that kind of just, boom, everything hit, perfect storm, right? And it was gone. And then COVID hit. So it just like flushed, flushed it out. And it was really scary. And you remember thinking back, you don't know how long things are going to be shut down for. They're talking years for a vaccine, right? At that stage, nobody knows what's going on. It's just, there's no set funding, you know, it's just boom, continue to pay your rent and all your bills and you have no income. And it was really scary. And, and then we're like, okay, we got to switch to virtual. We got to go online coaching like everybody else's, right? And what a shit show that was. Like it's a race to the bottom, <laughs> Yeah, right? I mean, who can give the was. most free stuff and hope to like charge however many bucks a month for like coaching. And, and then, you know, Facebook ads dipped, but then they exploded up, right? Then they got to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just couldn't do it. You can't, if, if you're competing on price, it's just not going to work out, especially for advertising. There is not enough money for you to accumulate customers to where you're not going to be struggling all the time, to where there's enough money where you can pay somebody else to do the job you're currently doing and move out of that role. There is not enough. All things being equal, the business who can afford to pay the most for the leads will win in the long run. Right. And if you don't have, uh, you know, high margins, you don't have a high price, things are gonna be really tough for you. You're, you're always gonna be struggling. If you looked at that business and what you wanted that business to do for your life and the lifestyle it wanted you, you to have with your family, both money to enjoy, you know, vacations and lifestyle and also the time to, be free and enjoy it and not have to dread about getting that email when you're on vacation. Um, you need the price to be there, but that's where we get so scared. 
because we have that scarcity mindset, right? So it was all about that price. Granted, yes, you have to become somebody different to charge those prices. You've got to really level up. You've, you've, you've got to know what you're doing. There's, there's different things you're going to have to learn, right? And you're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to get uncomfortable when asking for that huge amount of money. You will. But if you stay in your comfort zone, you're like, well, the place around the corner charges this and that. You're never going to get out of the situation you're in right now. It is impossible. The math doesn't work out. It's not, oh, I just need X more people. Nope. You're going to lose a certain percentage of people from churn. No matter how good your service is, people are going to move. They're going to get promoted and move. They're going to move to be the, by their family. They're going to get fired. They're just going to get bored. They're going to need to take a break. Stuff is going to get crazy in their life. They could break a leg. They could get in a car accident. They could get cancer, right? You, your retention is only going to be so good. And if you've got 150 members, right, and your churn is, you know, 10% a month, which is average, maybe a little bit lower than the actual – we all like to think it's not that bad, but, yeah. It's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, that's 15 so you got to sign up 15 new people just to prevent from sliding backwards. At a certain point, that math doesn't work out. You're not digging out of that hole. Can't happen. And you'll never get that business to where you want it to be. Yeah, especially if something like COVID hits or yeah, yeah. and the unknowns with how it's currently going, how other things can come along. You just have to be prepared and positioned to yeah. uh, weather the next storm, but not only weather it, but to rise above it, which yep. sounds like what you guys basically did. So you created this system. Was it like, you know, Dave was in a place where like, we got to do this now. How did that go? Well, it was, it's funny. Cause like Dave, Dave wanted more, Dave wants more for his life and for his family. Like he just had a, his wife was pregnant at that time. So super scary. Right. And I got worried too, because he was trying to build his own online movement there too. And he was very forthcoming and upfront with me about it. But at this point, like I started to feel like a failure because I'm like, if I'm the one like who's leading this and providing the opportunity for, for my people, like if he feels like he can't do it within my world, like I feel like I'm failing him and I'm not supplying him with the opportunity, you know what I mean? That he needs to provide for his family. So that kind of hit me a little bit hard. I was a little bit worried because I'm like, well, yeah, if, if this goes off, you know, I might be without somebody to run that location, you know, and that was a, a selfish fear of mine. Right. But like Dave and I had quite a long history. Like I want to be working with this guy no matter what. And uh, so he was doing those things and he did like a hundred Facebook, he did Facebook live like every day for a hundred days, trying to grow this online movement. Wow. Yeah. He was really all in. He hired, you know, a 10 K coach. Uh, spent 10 grand on it. Then he hired another one and like, boom, boom, boom. And then at the end of the day, like we're, I mean, he's a good guy and he's telling me about this stuff, you know, and he's telling me about some stuff, this guy, and he's learning from this guy. And then we're like, cool, let's, let's work this out. So I remember us being at the desert Ridge location when it was shut down with a whiteboard ironing stuff out. And it's funny. I've got a photo of it somewhere, but com that compared to those initial stages to where, what it became is like night and day. It wasn't even, doesn't even resemble the same thing. Hmm. But anyways, like we work together on this thing and like, let's figure this out. We can do this. And then he piloted at his location and we can start opening back up in, well, I think it was mid August. And we did not have it perfected. 
there's a lot of things that we improved over the next coming months. But from that mid-August to mid-September, there was a four-week period, and he sold $42,000 in new business there. Wow. And we didn't advertise for this. We literally just took the leads that we, the same leads that we had, and we just handled them differently, right? When they came in to doing a, a seven-minute phone call before we invited them in for a consultation, the way we handled that and our price and our offer, and boom, it turned around like that. And yes, we had to perfect a lot on the fulfillment side, on the sales side, all of that, which we have done. But it worked so well that we started dupl- we like, okay, Dave's great at sales though. Let's see if we can teach this to other people. And we did it systematically at every single one of our locations. And even the ones like we had, um, we had Shane at the Desert Ridge location. We lost Jody. She got pregnant as well. Right and all that. Uh, Shane is not a natural salesman. He's a little bit newer into the industry. He's kind of more of a reserve person. He's described by shy by a lot of people. Not that does not make a good salesman in all (laughs) past terms. Yeah. So traditionally, he's not somebody you would ever hire and put in that role. But he's had a huge willingness to learn. And he demonstrated that over time. And we're like, cool. I mean, and I didn't want to go back in there. Right. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's work with Shane. Let's teach him this stuff. And it took him a while. There's a little bit of a learning curve because this stuff doesn't come natural to him, but then he destroyed it. He's not even the same person as he was in, that's probably like September, October last year. Wow. He is a totally different person. The confidence this guy has. He's a coach. Like this guy can lead people. It's insane. Before he was doing in the fitness world, which he started us after his internship, before that, he was doing transcription for phone calls wow. for the old people video phones, right? And before that, he was working the movie theater counter. This guy is, is so inspiring. And when Shane was able to master this and, and do this, we're like, wow, we have something that can work anywhere. Anybody can do this. This system is not just for somebody who's like uber talented innately and has been had, you know, Dave, 12 years of experience in the industry or something like that, right? Right. And then, yeah, so that's when it all changed. Like, holy shit, we have something. And we perfected it over the next several months, made a lot of improvements. And people started, other gym owners, whether they were personal training or CrossFit or you name it, bootcamp, they started really taking notice. They, word spread about like our massive success, revenue-wise, profit-wise. And then what happened was uh, we had a couple of people reach out to us. And we're like, hey, do you think you could teach me how to do this in my gym with my business model? I've never done anything like that before. I know I have a lot to share with people, but like I've always hesitated a little bit because Facebook is greasy, man, with all the coaches and experts and gurus. Um, it it kind of turned me off to it a little bit, right? To wanting to do that. Cause like, well, I don't want to do this scummy stuff and like take pictures with a Lamborghini and stuff like that. Like it's just, <laughs> it is not me. Right. And there, and some of them have seen success, but some of them are just absolute pretenders. Mm-hmm. Some of them were in my feeds a lot. And that's what probably turned me off. Yeah. It's like this dude is 19. He's, he's got like a money machine that throws out cash on like a dude's car with a chick and he's doing it for gym owners. I'm like, yeah, I don't want any part of that life. That is, you know, he's never owned a business. I, I'm like, this is disgusting to me, you know, but we had a couple of people ask. And so I said, all right, sure. 
right? And even in the first four weeks, it is insane when we, because we help them build it into their business specifically with what their model is, set the prices, do all their margin, all that. And then we teach them how to create those offers and then how to sell it and then fulfill it. But our people sell us in the first two to three weeks and their businesses changed like that. And it was the most rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life because I know the struggle of a fitness entrepreneur so much. And I know the stress of the per and the worry of the personal guarantee hanging over your head. I know when a staff member leaves and starts up their own place a mile away, you know, I know the pain of losing that client. I know all these things and just the, the insecurity you have because you kind of know advertising in Facebook, maybe, but then it changes, but you don't really know. And to, to pay somebody, it's can be really expensive. You've probably paid three different people in the past and got burned. Like it's scary shit. And I know that. And I know those sleepless nights. I remember when my wife was pregnant, my first son was born and what an awful stage I was in at that point. I had the guy who came with me to start up underground fitness. Like I, I found out the level of a sociopath he was. I know it's a hard word to say, mm -hmm. but I could share this. It's, it's insane what I went through with him. And, uh, he, he was a different person literally to everybody. You know, the worst of it was the worst place where I was at when my son was about to be born. He had slept with a female trainer at a location. I had too many locations at this point with not enough systems and too much risk. And he'd slept with a female trainer, had denied it, had messed with her head. He was her manager then, right? He's running that location. Oh boy. Yeah. You know, the, one of the main trainers I had tons of clients was her friend. So I got a random phone call on a Sunday and be like, Hey, from, from another guy there, who's now a partner there. Uh, Ron, he's like, Hey, this location, this is sick. Like it's, there's stuff going on here you need to know about. And we met and I just systematically like interview everybody. I got like half truths from everybody. The one trainer I didn't get everything from because he was, He'd already plotted and already talked to all his clients to leave and go around the corner to start up his location. Possible sexual harassment lawsuit. Jake claimed to everybody that he was the owner of that location. Um, it was a mess. And here's the thing. I knew him for a long time. His wife backed out on their marriage like a week before. His dad died later. So I'm like, okay, this is somebody who, this is my fault. I'm like, this is somebody who's fundamentally a good person, but he had some really bad things happened to him. He made some bad decisions. So instead of letting him go, I took him to the Desert Ridge location where I was at part-time. And I forced him to get counseling for substance abuse, alcohol, and I forced him to tell his family. Um, we went through many things with this stuff. And I really tried to help this guy as, as much as I could. He continued to lie. He did the same damn thing over there. He hooked up with a female trainer almost immediately, which then she didn't. I got her, heard a rumor. A guy quit. And then I, I confronted her about it. She denied it. It came out later. What a mess. <laughs> it was a, he literally took two locations and blew them up. Right. And I didn't know what to do. I've got all this overhead. I can't be in two places at one time. You know, all this money's going out and all these clients are no longer there. And it's just like, that was a very low moment. A very, very, very low moment. And I'm like, how do I get out of this? And that's when I'm thinking like, man, if I just, kept my normal nine to five job. Like I would trade that for that right now. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that. Yes. Time in their journey. You're going to have that guys. You're going to have that multiple times. Probably. What was the catalyst away from like, how did you 
kind of bounce out of that situation. Um, one foot in front of the other, you know, and it was hard because he literally lied to everybody. And like there were other clients who just left, not even with the other people because, well, he claimed he was the owner and I blah, 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 did this and I'm a horrible person. So like literally I've got people who hate me everywhere because he's lied to everybody. I've got other employees who quit who's like, you allowed Jake to do all these things and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, I didn't even know these things. Like what you just told me, I didn't know until you told me. So much came out later. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how much I didn't know or see or whatever. So, I mean, what came out of it? Like, first of all, I had, I put on that brave face everywhere. I didn't doubt things for a second. So I didn't have the luxury of looking vulnerable. I doubled up on my leadership skills. If it weren't for Ron and Dave, uh, the business wouldn't exist. So shout out to those two, uh, Ron Edwards and Dave Bess. Like I wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for them. And so it was a great opportunity for them too, because they really, Ron got to fill shoes um, and kick butt and make more money and eventually become an owner at that location too. I'm somebody who likes to reward people for their hard work. Um, Dave wasn't an owner originally either. I, I think it, what it was is just like, I had no other options. It's like, you know, the ships are, are burned, right? Like right. I've got to move forward. I have no choice. And uh, it's just one foot in front of the other, gaining traction, grinding, you know, days where I'd wake up at 4 a.m. and I wouldn't finish work till 9 p.m. And because it was so painful and so scary, and yeah, like your relationship at home can suffer when you go through a period like that. Um, and I project things, my, my fear, right? The wedding, we, we did it on a, a little house and a little farm in Gilbert, Arizona. It cost us like $500. We had like 10 people there. And then we did just did catering in the back, in my backyard for our, our for our wedding. Cause like now there's no money to, there's no money for anything else. Yeah. It was, it was just a really tough time, but one step at a time. And you know, that is why I don't even get it. When we started selling all these high ticket things, I didn't get excited for what that's doing for me financially. I got excited then for like Shane whenever, cause he's making so much more money. Mm -hmm. He's leveling up like that made me so excited. And then when we're, we're working with other gym owners and somebody who's been a gym owner for three years, for eight years, for 12 years. And they just feel trapped by their business because they can do okay, but then bad things happen. We had COVID, right? And it's just, it's stress, it's worry. They never feel they can get away from the, the business for a weekend because who's going to sell it as well? Or, or you'll get that dreaded email or it's, a hard, it's such a hard business. It's an insanely hard business. And I know how hard that is. And I know how soul-sucking it can be where it's like, I don't know if I can do this for another five years, three years, 10 years, whatever. And the fact that we can turn around somebody's business in the first four to 12 weeks and give them that sense of peace and also make it fun again, where they actually have a renewed purpose. They're like, I'm actually changing lives and I'm doing what I want to do. People are listening to me and I'm a leader and blah, blah, blah. That has been the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. And for the first time, I feel like I'm actually living my purpose. And so all of these awful things that have happened have turned out to be the best things that have happened. The obstacle is the way. It's made me what I am. Enduring those hardships and working through it is a test of your character, but it prepares you for anything else in the future. 
any other giant from what I've been through, any other, any setbacks, any bad things, I just shrug it off. Yeah. It's a, it's a great lesson. It's a hard lesson to learn. It takes a long time. It takes a long time. You pretty much have to go through. Most people have to go through a, a tremendous grinder to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Or they give up. Sure. Yeah. You know, they give up. Yeah. And that happens a lot. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the the principles and some of the the foundations of your your own personal growth because your experiences are definitely obviously listening to your story have molded you into who you are, but there's other people or sources in the background who for sure have been there to kind of build you as you're going through these, what's, you know, what helped create these foundations. So what are some of your favorite things or favorite resources, um, you know, as a recommendation to other business owners that have helped you grow the most? Um, You know what? I, starting way back that got me into fitness and this and that it was Arnold. I love Arnold. Man. Oh, really? Schwarzenegger. Listen to me Come on. Uh, I love that dude. He's so inspiring. Mm. And, and for those that don't know a lot about him, they just think it like, yeah, okay. It's movie star muscle dude, really, really thick, horrible accent. Right. And they just awful one-liners in movies. Right. Right. But the dude is unbelievable. Like if you, if you learn about him massively expire, inspiring and from a kid, he just did everything and he put in the work. He didn't just get lucky and get discovered. You know what I mean? And, and get into Terminator and handed millions. The dude was a millionaire before he started making movies. And this is a guy who got himself from a dirt poor town in Austria to the United States who didn't even speak English. And he, paid for his own education to take English business classes. He started his own bricklaying business before he got anything, did massively well, got into real estate investment before he even started making money in movies. The guy is a worker. He started a mail order business with his fitness stuff. Like the guy works and he looks at what he wants to go for and he learns how to do it, who to learn from. And he just puts in the reps, man. And that's one of his big things. Like, it's all reps. It's all reps. He even showed, like, a speech that he's giving as a governor. Um, and he's got, like, all these tally marks, you know, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four. He rehearsed it, like, I don't know how many times, 40? Wow. Like, because he cares. Like, he wants to do a good job. And he's been such a huge philanthropist mm-hmm. over the years. He's just a very inspiring person. And... A couple of tenants that I get from that, they says like everything in life is reps. Friggin' true. Whether you learn bodybuilding, learning English, business, just giving speeches, uh, rehearsing for for movie, all these things. It's all reps. It's all reps. So that's a big thing that that is important to me. Um, and then he's got a big thing. If anybody in the world, in the entire world, could claim to be a self-made man. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. 100%. He is the first one to say there is no such thing as a self-made man. And I say that a lot because that's what you're asking. You know, it's like all these things. One, I, I could see how somebody could say, oh, wow, that's, that's an example of a self-made man. Bullshit. I have a, had a lot of help and I have had a lot of luck 
over the course of my life. One, my father is conservative as he is. He's actually, he was actually self-employed. I wouldn't say like a, you know, in, in a way. It's a very safe way to do it, but like he, so he kind of paved that path, uh, which is good, even though that's not what he suggested with everything. It's like, go to school, get a job, right? Um, but that was a good influence. Even the ones that weren't good influences in my corporate job, the robots, the corporate robots who just spoke the language, you know what I mean? And they, you literally, they just have a different way of talking to insert company values in. And I'm, right. I just looked at them like, it's so gross and perverse, you know? And those were a good influence because I'm like, that ain't me. I'm not playing that, that bullshit. I'm not playing that game. Um, so that was a good lesson. Um, and then, you know, so, so certain like uh, key books or lessons, like I'm a big fan of Stoic philosophy mm -hmm. and it teaches to be very hard and very resilient. And the obstacle of the way is the way um, by Ryan holiday is a good book for a lot of people to, um, to get introduced to that. And it's a great introduction to stoicism. Yeah, It is great. And I have it on and written copy. I also have it on podcast. When I was going through the hardest moments ever, I would listen to that while I was working out. And that really got me through some really rough points that I, like I was talking about a few years ago in the business. Mm -hmm. It got me through it. That's a perfect segue to my next question. You know, if you have 40, 40 minutes to an hour of time and you need, you want to go learn, are you going to pop out a podcast, an audio book? You're going to sit down and read what's your go-to? Uh, my go-to is to, to research what to learn first, believe it or not. Um, if I need to learn a skill set, I'm first going to spend my time uh, researching who I need to learn that from. I want to make sure that they've actually done it, right? That they're not just spewing it or recycling. Like you got, you have to have walked the walk. Right. So, and, and I want to learn like, hey, what's the best way to do it? Um, generally, I'll start with a book or two if it's something I need to really tackle. But I'll also then, I listen to podcasts when I work out quite a bit. Podcasts are audiobooks. Um, and I'll research which the best book to buy, whether it's audiobook or paper. And I'll start there. And I'll also then subscribe to a podcast or so if I'm trying to learn something. And you kind of get that immersion. Um, learning, so many people, and sometimes guys, it's the same book. When you read that book, you're like, wow, this is huge. Like, it's cool. And like, wow, this, this wow. Right. And then we think about it maybe for a few days. We might jot some notes down and then we're on to the next. Huge mistake. Yeah. In my opinion, that's a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Guys, like the books that have that, when you have that moment, you're like, wow, if I implemented this, this, I can see how this could change my life. You need to read that book three, four, five, six times. You need to revisit it in the future. Because you won't apply anything unless you do that. And you need to apply that knowledge. You can't just collect it. I think a lot of us are guilty of that. Oh, man, I did that for years. And it was, I think, two years ago, I kind of hit this epiphany of, I need, these books are so good. I need to at least be able to implement parts of them before I move on. And at that point, I started listening to books. I would read it. So I have it on my shelf, but then I'd start listening to it over and over again, like obstacles the way when I was going through kind of a tough patch, it's like mm -hmm. back to back to back to back. And I learned something new every time. Yes. By the time I was done, there was some things implemented that were game changers. And, yep. and I'm doing that now. So my audible is not that full, you know, because it's like 
it's, it's typically books I've read. And then I'm like, yeah, I need to really dive into this. And it's been so pivotal. I'm glad to hear someone else say it. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say it, but you can't just read book after book after book after book. The really good ones you need to reread. You're only going to remember about 5% of a book. If I think about a book I read like randomly two years ago, I, I'll probably remember 5% of it. Yeah. You know, and on these really good books, you need to reread it and you'll take action on it. You'll understand it on different levels. And every time I go back and read one of the books I've read five times before, I understand it on another level. Yeah. Like all the puzzle pieces really take, I understand. Oh, nah, aha. I just breezed over that part last time. But now I actually understand the profoundness of what was written there. Or you might be in a different journey, part of your journey yeah. where something else in that book is so pivotal. You start to put the pieces together. Like, well, that was really awesome when I did that one thing. But when I stacked that with this next concept in there, whoa, mind-blowing. Yes, yes. Yep. So I'm a big fan of rereading these books over and over. Yeah. I, I'm so happy you said that. It's like made my week. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't, I haven't heard anybody ever say that before. So that's yeah. awesome that you think yeah. that. Oh yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a major principle in my learning right now. Um, because I went through the book vomit, like just hundreds mm -hmm. of books, you know, there, I think it was 2000, probably 18 where I was so proud of how many books I read. I don't remember what yeah. the number was. I was like, Oh, I'm so awesome. Look at what I've done. And I'm like, I started going, I went and I did one again. I'm like, wait a minute. I miss so many things. And that's where that, that switch happened. It was a book called never lose a customer again. And that, that switch happened. And I listened to it again. I listened, I bought it on audio audible. I listened to it again. And then I listened to it again. And then like, I was so inspired. I, I sat down and I made this entire customer journey plan. And it was like, so much came from it because I revisited. And from that time on, I'm like, man, if it's a, I'll read a book. And if it's a good book that I really need to, that I can learn a lot from, which is almost all of them. I'm going yeah. <laughs> to go through it at least, at least one more time. And that's pretty much a minimum. Yeah. You know, if you could go back in time, this is the last question. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice that you could, that would have helped you along this journey, what would that be? Oh man, this is what I'll probably give you an answer. Then I'll probably an hour later, I'm like, you know what? I should have said that instead. <laughs> um, there's one piece of advice to go back and give myself be very careful the advice that is given to you mm. you need to design anything as possible you need to design the life that you want to live i think that's it i need that I think, advice in my past <laughs> yeah you know i look back and in my cor that corporate career in those four years that i had after college where i was lost i just didn't look hard enough for the answers you know what I mean? Right. The answers weren't there. Like that was when like the Haiti, when you, if you did something on the internet, you could make boatloads of money. It was super easy because there were so few people doing it. Right. It was like, where do you even learn? I remember searching a little bit about stuff, but then giving up because I couldn't find it. Like it's there. Nobody is going to give you the answers to life and wealth and abundance and just hand them to you. It's, you have to go out and seek it. Yeah, for sure. And I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't look hard enough. I didn't know the other path that you could go on and that you could actually design the life that you wanted to live. And the, these boundaries and barriers and me getting a corporate job and selling for like a three to 4% raise every year. Like that's, you don't have to, that's not the only way. Right. Yeah. That's so I, I think it would be kind of that it's like, listen, you, 
these boundaries that you think are there, that you've been told are there, they're not there. Go out and design the life that you want. The answers are out there if you keep looking. So true. So true. Well, awesome. Where can, um, we didn't, we never brought up the brand of this, uh, what you were talking about. So why don't you go ahead and share that part and tell us where we can find you. Yeah. So, um, PT legends is what we had to develop because people asked us for it with, with, uh, gym owners and, um, whether you're group training, personal training, online training, um, we can help you do what we've done and have proven results for people all over the world now in different countries. So PT legends. And then we have also started up, uh, I've also started up the legacy mastermind. And this is where we are purposely figuring out what we want in life um, and designing our lives that way. And a lot of it is, is in wealth and creating that passive income. Like we, we were talking about the yes, when we first started, I have $250,000 a year in cash flow by the time I'm ready to retire in today's money in income. And I did that in five moves, five moves over the course of three years. And I've secured a quarter million dollars of income in today's money when I'm retiring. I still get cash flow on it now. Right. I'd have to look it up. It's 80, 90 grand right now. It'd be later when other stuff is paid off. And it's not, it's not as simple. You don't have to save up millions and millions and millions and millions and not have Starbucks. That cash flow I'm getting now, I'm enjoying. We're taking trips. We're doing these things. So uh, we're building that in, in the legacy mastermind. Very um, so the, the best way, you know, any of your listeners can, can reach out to me, just, just email me, find me on Facebook, you know, Scott Carpenter or um, email me coach Scott Carpenter. That's S C O T T. And then Carpenter, just like the profession coach Scott Carpenter at gmail.com. And uh, just drop me a line there. If there's one thing I, I know that I've learned, I love helping make, make people successful. Like that is my passion. When I looked at my, what I wrote down a few years ago, it's kind of like my purpose, what I want to do. And I wanted to help people through my, live a better life through my teaching, coaching and, and writing. And I didn't know how I was going to do that yet. And I didn't know what audience, I know I have a lot to share, but I didn't know. Now, it's kind of cool to see when that's come full circle a few years later. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, and we'll have all your information in the show notes podcast. Uh, so you can hop on Apple podcasts. If you're watching this on YouTube or whatever, you can go back to that source and find Scott, all of his contact information there. You can find out about PT legends, which is so funny because unsolicited somebody messaged me today. A good buddy of mine messaged me today and he, I asked, I, I said, Hey, well, you know, what's going on in your world? And it was not great news, but he said, he said, he literally said PT legends is saving my business right now. And so, uh, that's really cool. Scott, you are impacting lives and, and that's that was unsolicited, here. unplanned. It was really cool. And then, uh, then I saw my calendar. Oh, Scott Carpenter today. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. So thank you for what you're doing. Really appreciate having you on the show. Thanks Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.